HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague, um, and I'm here alone today. Well, not alone. I've got some guests in the, in the virtual studio, but I'm at Amoria Margo, my bar in the East Village of New York City, and we're going to sit down and talk for a while to the guys who've created January Spirits, uh, John Langley and Lucky Prexto, my good friend, and uh, one of my barmen at Amoria Margo, have come out with their own line of spirits, uh, and they just launched a few months ago. Uh, here in New York City. So super psyched to have you guys on the air with me, guys. Welcome. Thanks. Great yeah. to be here. Well, I've been trying to get you on for a while, and seemingly we couldn't get you scheduled. So I thought I'd just bring my remote equipment right down here to the bar and tackle you before you go to work. Yeah, perfect. Works for us. We, um, we've we all had quite a busy summer. So yeah, I mean, I've yeah. been hanging around and doing not much. What have you been up to? Uh, no, you <laughs> you have, you in fact, have been, have been gone a lot. I mean, you just got back from New Orleans yourself. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, no longer the bridesmaid, no longer the Susan Lucci. And, and you know, I'll say it over and over again, I think, no longer able to be um, nominated for five years. I was fact. happy being nominated every year. Uh, but to be then, once we win, we can't, can't even be nominated. It's a spirited award from Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. We won for Best Podcast Broadcaster, Online Video Series. And we've been nominated and top four every year the category has existed and I was perfectly happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> but Keeps now, you in the conversation. Exactly. We're up on the board, right? <laughs> um, you stay relevant that way. Anyway, happy to win it. Don't, don't, don't take this to mean that I'm not happy I won it. I'm not, not being an Eeyore kind of guy here, which I, I play that role quite often on this show. But um, yeah, so yeah, I was down in New Orleans for a bit. But you guys have been crazy busy um, because you've been working on this project for a while and it just launched recently. So let's kind of reel the clock back. Where did you two kind of come up with this notion and, and what what kind of steps did it take to, to put it into play? Because I think a lot of my listeners, the listeners of the Speakeasy, are quite interested in the things that go on behind a bar or the things that go on in operating a bar. But I think that it's a big leap to say, well, I'm going to put something on the back bar. So how did, like, just talk us through that. Well, um, well, John and I are uh, bartenders, have been bartenders for a very long time. We met in, I think it I was 
trying to trying to run it back all the way. I think we met in was it two thousand nine something like that. We were working at uh, uh, Daniel Balud's place on Bowery and Houston called DBGB. John was bartending and I was serving, and um, we just we became friends and we started you know collaborating pretty much immediately. We worked at uh, we opened up the beer bar Torst in Greenpoint, and um, you know started just doing our own uh, own projects. Um, uh, speed up to 2019, John and I had developed an idea for a cocktail bar, and we were starting to do pop-ups for that. And one of the concepts of the cocktail bar was to do as much in-house production as we could quasi-legally read, totally illegally get away with. We were going to make, <laughs> we were going to make um, vermouth, amaro, you know, cordials, as much stuff as we could put like ourselves, like in the back bar. We we were going to do that. Well, I mean, what even drove that notion? Like, what what would make you say to yourself, I'm going to spend the time, energy, effort, money to make my own Curacao, let's say, rather than go, you know, I can just buy this. It's really inexpensive and it'll be here tomorrow if I order it. I mean, honestly, it's just, I think, was a, not boredom, but just the idea that we could. Like you're saying, it's so easy. You can go out and buy vermouth for, like, significantly cheaper than I than we were going to be able to make it at a bar. Right. But then you also, it, it's... It's a way to get like kind of granular with stuff. You know, you can only change something like a Negroni so many ways by just changing the ingredients. But if you start down at the like the base level of redesigning a vermouth, then you kind of have some more options. And we just kind of like this idea of like, let's do it all like the hardest way possible. Yes. Well, where I was going to get to that when we yeah. get to the spirits. But I mean, I, I totally understand that. And, you know, in the past, uh, you know, here at Amore Margo, even when we opened, we had, you see the two tap towers sitting there that they're now cocktails. But in the very beginning, there were two house-made vermouths. And that was even how we named the bar. Amore Margo is Spanish. And, uh, you know, a lot of bodegas and bars you go to there have their own house-made vermouths on tap. And we were kind of mimicking that, even though, you know, 90 plus percent of everything we sell here is Italian. Why would we name it in Spanish? <laughs> you guys were making the vermouth? Yeah, in the very I, beginning. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. And in fact, we helped uh, Huertas, the, the restaurant that just closed, sadly, with this past week. Uh, yeah. They had vermouth on tap. They came to us and we helped them set that up. So we've been friends and neighbors with those guys since the beginning as well. I'll be damned. Um, but, and I, so again, I totally understand like the drive and desire to make something for the back bar, but to make everything, that seems like a bigger leap. And, I mean, and, and you know, it, it didn't happen. So I guess yeah. <laughs> it's a, we're having a moot conversation. But, but like, again, it just shows that you guys have a real drive and passion towards, um, the creative aspects. Yeah. Uh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen because, you know, the world ended. Um, but, uh, the, the, the drive, the drive to make it was, as John said, you can get as granular, granular as you want. Um, and we <clears throat> sort of cleave to a similar idea of yours that, um, that, you know, if, if the work is mainly just making cocktails, then if you make an Amaro, that's essentially a bottled cocktail. Um, you know, the, 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 the lead up to the release of it is way longer than, you know, putting something together and like doing it, uh, doing a two order. But, um, but that, that is sort of, that's sort of where it came from. We, we had been putting, putting flavors together, putting things together and making drinks. And we wanted to, um, we wanted to kind of like prolong that process and like have, have, uh, have them be like sort of like signature things that, that, that we make that, that we can, that we can make a lot of and have it be stable. Yeah. I mean, I completely, again, understand the drive and we've had, you know, Kate Gerwin on the show in the past in her bar, happy accidents down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she has a distiller's license. And so she basically, you know, if she wants to make an agreement, she has to make Campari. She has to, her own, you know, version thereof. I think that um, she's a rectifier, right? She's she's a distiller and rectifier, right? Um, so she can, so, so it's, it's kind of that concept. And I always refer to her and her program down there as sort of like, it's like maxology, right? It, you, you're like when a bartender wants to make a, a, a gin cocktail there, the bartender gets to decide, well, I want 
the gin to have high notes of lavender and I want the gin to be at 96 proof. And they can, you first, you make your gin, then you make your cocktail. So I can understand that sort of zooming out. Right. And that's probably what led you to sort of get to the place where you created January spirits. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. You can also, so many classic cocktail ingredients are so sweet and it's very hard to maintain a certain level of flavor and pull the sugar back and utilize things like, especially Amaro can be like, the, the, the grams for sugar on some of that stuff is pretty high. So to be able to approach it from that level of like, we want to maybe make something a little bit drier or whatever. It's um, sometimes you just have to make your own. So then in 2020, sorry, cut yeah, you off. No, go ahead. You didn't. Um, we found ourselves a little bit of time on our hands. Um, yeah, in 2020? Yeah. What was I doing in 2020? It wasn't time on my hands, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, you were quite busy. <laughs> um, so we uh, kind of retreated into John's kitchen and started uh, started uh, developing these these recipes um, for for our three products, which are gin, uh, making it tomorrow, and a Janipi liqueur. And when you say started in your kitchen, did you like have a still? Or are you just uh, in there with pots and pans and, you know, hoping not to burn the place down? <laughs> we... Are we you suggesting we had an illicit still in my kitchen. I'm, I would never. I'm pointing that directly out. I'm not suggesting yeah. anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we did. Yes, yes, we did, and we we did operate it before we had a company, uh, and we were doing it privately. We'd no longer do it. But I, mean, uh, but, I yeah, think this is everybody's yeah. origin story with distilling. You know, uh, even yeah, way, even way back when you, you had it. You can't just be like, you know, what I'm going to do a thing I've never done before. Let me go into the business of doing that. No, you do the thing, and then you legitimize, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we we um, we had the still in John's kitchen for about a year and a half, working on working on different recipes for different things. We did a lot of fun, a lot of fun projects, a lot of fun ferments, and uh, uh, really, really, uh, really dialed that still in. Made some very good high test moonshine. John, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we sure. I mean, yeah. We, at first, it was like we just want to we want to make we want to make spirits. We want to make liquor and. And we, we had the Amaro more or less like 90% of the way there. And then it was like, oh, wait, what do we want to do? Do we want to like dive into the whiskey game? It's kind of like an expensive time-consuming game, but we messed around with grains anyway. And the Genopy was just became, came out of us or, well, we want to do something interesting. We want to find a niche that isn't glutted. And we want to make something that we would be interested in drinking that, that has a place and it kind of started like, all right, let's let's try and make fake chartreuse. And the first batch was surprisingly drinkable. So we were like, okay, this is this is a thing that we can keep moving forward with. And we found some farmers and we started getting all the herbs and we just sat around making test batches and running the uh, the cooling water from the coil up the roof. And I was filling a kiddie pool with it. And we would get done and clean up and I would go sit in the kiddie pool and I was making um, Hemingway daiquiris with moonshine and calling them... Um, William Faulkner's, <laughs> and that's it. And we, had, by the time we were done, we had like a pretty passable Genopy after just like a few months of just doing that, which is like you know it's hard because you got to master it. So you're like, all right, it's gonna be like a month lead time to like tweak something. But right, you can't like uh, jump in a time machine and go forward. Um, what? First of all, I would ask like, how big was the still? And then uh, that's just for curiosity's sake. But then I would think to myself as a you know as a guy who spent a lot of time in kitchens and worked uh, you know as a chef for a long time I can certainly look at a product and kind of you know tear it apart and maybe make my own version of that product you know even like a shelf item you know make my own I don't know whatever ranch dressing anything you want to call it doesn't matter we can figure it out and make a delicious version that is sort of the 
you know, quote unquote, better version than this thing that's on the shelf. But like when you're talking about something like Genepi, how do you even begin? Like I, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty expert in this field and I can't name every botanical that's in every Genepi I've ever had. So how do you know? I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase this question. How do you get to the place where you can say, no, you know what this needs? A, a pinch more or its root or what have you. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, John and I bought a bunch of Genepes at Aster, as many as we can get our hands on, starting with uh, green chartreuse and yellow chartreuse. Um, and just, you know, every, every Genepe that, that was around that, that, that we could pick up. And we did a lot of analysis, meaning a lot of drinking, but, uh, but, you know, we, we kind of compared notes on, on nosing stuff and, uh, and, and palate. And we also found some really great, um, with like P, like converted PDFs, you know, old uh, distilling tracks from like 19th century. Uh, everyone essentially since chartreuse became popular, which is like, you know, 300 years ago, people have tried to make dupes of it. And so we found a bunch of old recipes of, of people making, you know, monkish style genipe liqueur and found a lot of overlap there. Uh, and we started, we started there with uh, what we thought, what we thought were like the high notes of what we wanted to kind of extract from it. And, um, and then did individual macerations of other things to find out like what they tasted like. Um, there are some things that, that we use that, uh, that we probably, uh, ought not to have used like mm -hmm. initially like Arnica, which is uh, poison, but it is called for a lot. <laughs> <And like diesel. laughs> it passed the first test. I didn't go blind. I, I didn't die. <laughs> this is the main thing there. Yeah. That one didn't make it past the first test. We started, you know, I think. Maybe my girlfriend said something along the lines of, are you allowed feel, to I can't feel my that? fingers? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we also just did a lot of like um, research, like geography, like, all right, these these products typically come from this area. What What's the botanical history of like, what do they use there for medicine? Sure, and, sure. The old what grows together, goes together mentality. And that that's a lot of it was just going through and pulling out large lists of um, generally recognized as safe generally <laughs> generally i mean you know you know yeah. that is, that is the weird list there are things that just because people don't use them they're not on the generally recognized the safe list so then it's right. just getting them through is, is it can be a real pain but we we did a lot of that and then we just we added a few things that we thought would be good and then we would get the distillate we would have eyedroppers of like high concentrate extra things and and then say oh this definitely i think could use a pinch of this next time we do it and then readjust the next time and try not to change everything all at once but change enough things that it made sense to go through. And I mean, I'm envisioning a graded notebook, lots of annotations, like times, temperatures, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is that, is that the case? Or was this just like a couple chefs in the kitchen? It was um, a, a big it was a spreadsheet, a big spreadsheet, a big Excel document. I mean, it was, uh, you know, with, uh, with notes sort of all over the place. Uh, most of them, most of them dated, some not. So, will this be the sort of uh, the inside liner of the, the book that you're going to write in 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Just the spreadsheet that's like yeah. screenshots, like cells not running into where they're supposed to go. And yeah. <laughs> that was most of it. I don't know what the scientific explanation for it, but uh, fire made it good. Okay. Uh, uh, so, okay. You, you did a lot of uh, tinkering around since 2020 to, to make the Genepi. I mm -hmm. assume you put in just as much effort and energy to the Amaro. Yeah, we'd been working on the Amaro for a number of years, actually. Because um, you were already doing like a, a, you were making one for the bar you worked at, right? Was it this? Yeah, correct. We we made it at um, Bowery, Bowery Meat Company when we were both bartending there. And it had started actually, before that, we had opened a place called Invecchiato in um, 
is no longer there. It only lasted a few months and the story is long and kind of boring, but we were up there to help open this place up. Surprise, and cocktail bar did not did not succeed. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, but at least you, I feel like, you know, as with anything, any endeavor, you know, skill obviously plays a hand, but then there's also luck, right? Feels like you were pretty fortunate to work for people who were allowing you to, I'm sure, I'm sure there was some cost involved in making these things in the first place. And there might've been some mistakes along the way. You don't just crack it out of the park on the first go. No. And part of it was also just convincing people that you could totally do a thing. And then, you know, making good on a thing, which actually you have no idea what you're doing, which is how it first started. Right. I convinced someone, I was like, I can make a Mauro. And they were like, great, you're hired. And I was like, perfect. Let me go learn how to make a Mauro. It was, <laughs> it was the opposite. You were already there. And they were like, they were like, we should, we should definitely have like a house tomorrow. And you were like, yeah, we should absolutely do that. I can totally make a Mauro. Right. But I think that if I had that dictum come down to me in my bartending days, if someone said we should have a house tomorrow, I'd be like, absolutely. Let me blend some Amari. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would have been the easy and smart I, way I to wouldn't do have it. said to myself, well, let me go from zero to hero here. Let me start from scratch and build an Amaro. Well, this, that's I, where, I think that's just, a, I'm just trying to point out that there's a bit of, um, you know, inspired gumption that the two of you have. And that's what I really want to get across in, in this episode is like, how do you go from, I have this idea to, I want to get it done. You know, I think I, I categorize myself as a doer. You know, I know a lot of people talk about a lot of things and I'm right in there talking about it with them, but then I do it. Yeah. Right. So you guys did it. So there was something in you that said, I'm going to do this out loud. And then physically you did it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is exactly what we did. Um, we made the LLC really early on. I mean, uh, the company was formed, the company was formed really early. Uh, we knew that we knew that we wanted this to go and we, we, you know, uh, just, we, we set, we set the base up really uh, I do you think, think like forming the company was some sort of like way to hold yourselves accountable? Like, well, we, we paid the money to have this LLC. Let's get this thing going. Yeah. yeah. It could, it, there could be nothing simpler than setting up an LLC. It's just something you can do in an right, afternoon. Right. It's, it's, it is, but, and, it, but and that, it plants a flag, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I learned that, uh, nobody I was, uh, had a bunch of time and a bunch of walking around outside have uh, my wife and I had a daughter in January, 2020. Uh, and we, you know, when they're real little, they sleep a lot and there was nowhere to go because everything was closed in 2020. So I was, uh, this lazy kid, this lazy kid, just literally (laughs) sleeping the day away. So I'd be out on these like three hour walks, walking around Crown Heights and I was crossing the street and thinking about, thinking about, you know, the company in general, what we were making, what we were working on. And, um, and I just, you know, the, 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 it was actually, it was the, the impetus was, um, you know, old gods, like Greek gods, Roman gods, whatever. And, uh, Janus, the, the god of past and future kind of, kind of, uh, hit with me. And I was like, you know, we, we named January for Janus and, uh, January sounds really great. And, uh, it's a very optimistic word. So that's, that's where, that's where that came from. That was, that was really early. I mean, I'm shocked that name wasn't taken. And it was not that that's the point of the story. No, like there was there, you know, I Googled it. There is a liquor store in South Carolina called January Spirits. Um, that's it. So we, you know, uh, eventually when we were a little bit farther down the line, we were ready to like actually start production, uh, looking around for contractors. Um, we, uh, started the process of trademarking the name. That is a very, very long story. That could be an entire episode, but, uh, too long. Didn't read. Uh, we, we got the name and, and it's, uh, we're trademarked now. In, which is incredible. Yeah. So you've 
kind of been obviously tinkering is a, a word that we might use here, working on the Genepi, and you had this Amaro kind of in your pocket because you were making it at, at a restaurant <clears throat> or a bar, and then the decision to make gin, how did that sort of bubble up? Because I think the first thing that people make when they make a distillery is vodka. Right. Vodka pays the bills. We've all heard it. And yeah, but I, like, I just think, so with vodka, it's, there's, there's nothing really you're doing on a certain level. And I, I'm not trying to disparage vodka, but there is no, you're just like, your idea is to make a nice, want. clean <laughs> spirit. And the best we could hope for is make something as good as anything that's out there. Right? And we almost certainly couldn't do it at the same price. And it's, it's not fun. There's not there's nothing that we get to do and put our like mark on besides branding. And that's, um, well, that's what our other partners are for. Um, it's just not, not a thing that interested us. Mm -hmm. Whiskey is too expensive to make right off the bat. You can go get amazing whiskey for for cheap, and they've been doing it forever. And I just we didn't feel like well, we it just goes back to what you were saying. Like the but the tweak time is even longer. You said take you know maybe take a month to six weeks before I can tweak my genipe recipe because I've got to wait for macerations to happen. Yeah, if you're putting your whiskey down in a barrel for four years. You can't do any tweaking for four years. Yeah, yeah. you get to the end, you're like, well, what are we going to blend this with to make it not taste the way it tastes? Like you could really you could really mess up. But we just we we're not millionaires. We're barely thousandaires. So it was. Um, gin and i know this is why a lot of people do craft gin is because you can do something fun and you could kind of like be out the market in a reasonable amount of time which is also why it's um mildly kind of glutted mm -hmm. and so it's a matter of finding a niche within that glut that 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 fills fills a need and that's kind of like what we started we're like all right we can maybe make some money on this no one drinks tomorrow except for us and our like nerdy friends but people drink gin and if you could find an inroad with gin then you could actually like have a cornerstone of your business that that makes money that actually moves and then, then do the cool things like gin and pina tomorrow, which will move less fast than gin. But well, I would take you to task on that based on your already initial sales. But I'd like to do that when we come back from the break. So let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. I'm hanging out with the boys from January Spirits. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. I've got John and Lucky in from January Spirits, and we've been talking about their brand new line that just launched. How, how, just a short, short time ago, four months, five months? How old are we now? May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Did you do that on purpose? Uh Yes. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> You're trying to get some yeah. Star Wars cred. Yeah, we absolutely get did the do Star that. Wars nerds on board. I mean, that's great. So May the 4th, 2023, you mm -hmm. launched January Spirits just here in New York State first. That's right. Um, 
and you, you've got your three marks. You've got a Genepi and a Marl, and we were just talking about the gin, which I find to be quite delicious. I, I remember drinking about a bottle of it all by myself, not all at once. It was kind of all at once. By um, yourself, in the kitchen. In the kitchen. I was sitting in the kitchen <laughs> at a morning Margo, just drinking neat gin like a weird boss, I guess. Um, I love it. Like, I really, like, I'm not just blowing smoke. I really, really enjoy it. Um, but as we were taking, a, just for the break there, John, you were kind of alluding to the fact that maybe the gin um, was a, a, a bridge that you could get, you know, more than, quote, your your nerdy friends to try the gin, and maybe then you could lure them down the road to try your genipi and your Amaro, which you said you feel will move more slowly. However, sales dictate not not necessarily the case. It has not, in fact, been the case. But, you know, I mean, it's easy to, I mean, especially in New York and especially in the cocktail scene, and, I mean, quite specifically this place, you can live in a bubble where you think, like, of course people are going to drink lots of Amaro. You know, and we kind of thought if they don't want to drink Amaro, we should still have something for them. And we should it should still be a product we stand behind. And it should, you know, it should still speak to the kind of things we do. And gin was fun. And we just, I think we got lucky that we came up with a gin that we like that also other people like. Because it's also very easy to go down a road. You can just put anything in a gin as long as you're juniper and they don't even care. They just let you put that on the label, gin. Yeah, pretty pretty lax on the rules, it seems. Um, it, that That makes me want to question, uh, is there any crossover of ingredients from either of the other two marks into the gin? Are there things that, that are in one or the other that are in both? Yes, there's a couple things that are in all three, oh. and they escape me. Um, I I put black licorice in everything because I love black licorice. Okay. So the, it's it makes, you know, it's obvious in the Amaro. It is less obvious in the Genepi, and it's way less obvious in the gin, but it's in there in the distillate. You know, it adds body. It's pretty pretty old school way to, like, beef up your gin. Old um, distiller's trick. Yeah. Just give it some, like, sort of weight on the tongue, little... Yeah, yeah. it doesn't taste little, licorice little, but little it does. perception of viscosity, et cetera. Yeah, texture, exactly. In mm-hmm. chamomile, we put in the gin and the Genepi. Elderflowers in both of those. Yeah. You know, there's, like, definitely ingredients that I think liaise between, between one another. Yeah, that's kind of what I was yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to ask. Yeah. Uh, the bridges between them. So now we've talked about your friendship and how you uh, started tinkering around and working on things together at different bars and putting together LLC and actually getting it done and making the thing. But I want to talk more about sort of the businessy side of it. I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, the listeners are, as the show has grown up in 12 years, I think the listeners are growing up too and they're, they're branching out and they want to do more things. How does one say to themselves, I'm going to start making a thing on a grand scale with a label on it that I'm going to sell to the public. It's not, it's, I mean, there's the TTB that get involved. There's the state liquor authority, et cetera. Walk us through some of the hoops you had to go through and the challenges. There are many different ways to thread the needle. Um, the easiest way is to be uh, quite wealthy or quite well-funded. Uh, <laughs> step one, get yourself a million dollars. Yes, step one, have money. <laughs> the second way to do it, Another way to do it, which is the way that we did it, uh, uh, the company was initially just John and I. Uh, we took on two other partners, my wife, Diana, uh, and John's partner, Amanda. Uh, and so between the four of us, we're now more of a cohesive company. Uh, we've kind of uh, filled it out. And uh, we're self-funded currently. Um, we, didn't, we didn't take any, uh, any uh, outside, outside funding at all. Uh, and uh, because of that, we wanted to go we'd get to market with the lowest overhead possible. So we didn't want to take out an enormous loan and buy a still and then, you know, uh, have then the rent on a distillery where 
you know, where we could, where we could get that. Sure. Associated um, licensing. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's plenty of fees so that the government's going to stab you for. It's actually, if, if you're, if you're a small distiller, it's not, an, it's not an enormous fee for a license, but it's still like 1500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the way that we did it was, uh, we found, um, we found a, a, a contracting partner. So we're working with matchbook spirits out, uh, in Greenport, the North mm-hmm. Fork of Long Island. Um, they're uh, real nerdy guys. We, we make real nerdy products, uh, and they um, they we we figured it would be a good fit, and it's been it's been a wonderful collaboration with them. We um, finalized the recipes from the kitchen, scaled them up. John scaled them up and uh, sent them out, and um, and the product has 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 really um, really shone. the The second thing that you have to do is you have to deal with the government a bunch. But then once you do that you're, you're there, you know, like once, once everything is all set up, once you have all your permits and it takes a while, uh, then you're just, you're just sort of in the market. And, uh, after being in the market, then, then the really hard work, the longer work is to, sorry, I keep hitting the bar. Um, the longer work is, is developing relationships in the, in the, in the market, in the community and, um, you know, developing accounts and stuff. And you, you landed with, um, I'm, I'm just- Spacing Park Park Street, right? Park Street, yep. Park Street's a distributor here in, in New York City or New York State. New York State. Uh, they're whole state. they're based in Florida, but yeah, oh. they they're they're here. Florida, eh? They're an mm. importer, yeah. What kind of Mickey Mouse operation are they running? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's great. And so even that relationship, though, how does that come about? Just because you've got a product doesn't mean that someone wants to be the, you know, the the, the mover of that product, right? So how do you convince? a company to say, you should take my product and, and offer it so that it can get to people like me at a bar or, or at, uh, you know, or at Parlor Wine and Spirits as a, as a liquor store, et cetera. How do you get it on and off premise? With, with Park Street there, it's, it's a little laxer. They don't provide the same infrastructure or services. Like the sales team is lucky and I, so they aren't sending people on the street. Um, duo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we just do a little bit of everything, which is um, exactly how we, how we don't hemorrhage money. Um, yeah. And so more or less, the, it's, it's a little more transactional with them. Like we sign contracts, we pay them, they provide logistics and, and just base permitting and infrastructure, and we do almost everything else. So it's, it's easy with a company like them, and there's a couple others like LibDib or MHW, and depending right. on what size you are, like they're, they're not necessarily cheap for what you get out of them. But if you're willing to put in the legwork and do all your own sales and hustle, they make the most sense for a small brand like us to get to market. Got it. Yeah, because you have to, unless you have a uh, farmer's farming, like a farm distiller's license, uh, you must use a distributor to, to get to market. It's, right. it's, it's every state is different, but but you know basically that's that that's what the deal is, and it's definitely the deal in New York. So right, but even if you have that farmer's license, you can only sell on your own property, right? Right, right. Someone would have to come to your yeah distillery slash farm. Yeah. So. Park Street, so that's and, limiting. yeah, Park Street is is essentially like a, a, a fulfillment center for us, um, and uh, and like John said, because there's no real like like sales team support, uh, we're sort of we're we're selling it on our own. Well, yeah, over the past several months, I see that you uh, are out there going to um, bars and doing tastings with the public. I assume, or sorry, uh, liquor stores and doing tastings with the public. I assume you're doing some. Uh, events or whatever at bars. Um, I, all I know is you show up to work late a lot. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I'm supporting you. <laughs> well, I'm here now, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> I guess you are. Um, yes. Yeah. We've been doing we've been doing a lot of like in store support or in store like uh, uh, tastings. Uh, we have been. We went to. We attended. Um, 
we, we've, we've done a, 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 some events uh, in like in the spring and in the summer, things slow down a little bit in the summer. Everybody like leaves, uh, everybody's traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're gearing up for the fall when everybody's back in town uh, for like a number of events. And uh, uh, the main thing that we're concentrating right now on is our January release party, which will be uh, the first week of November in this very bar. Uh, that's right, here at Mori Margo. That's going to be great. So we'll uh, you know, stay tuned to socials and whatnot, and we'll make sure that if you're in New York, New York City, you get a chance to come over and check that out. Because, sad for the listener, right, currently, and I've mentioned it more than once, only available in New York State. How long does it take? And I know we've had guests on in the past who, from, from all over the place who talk about how the tangled knot of laws in America make each state basically like trying to get into a new country. Um, so how long does that process take? And what is your, I don't know, plan slash trajectory towards that notion so that, you know, my listeners in Des Moines, Iowa can get a hold of January Spirits. Sure. Yeah, it is, in fact, insanely complicated. Right? Every state is, is totally different. Um, so where we're at now is, we, I mean, being that we are in, I would assume, the top, if not top three markets for the things that we produce, we could produce probably 10 times what we currently produce and still sell out in New York. So to take on I mean I hate the phrase I hate it when people use it with me but like good problem to have right it's a good problem to have right yeah. so that's still that's where we're a, at. still needs a solution but it's it a needs good a problem. solution yeah. right exactly um it's just a matter of of cresting past it's just like a number of like how much money we're bringing in and how much we're able to tie up how much of our capital before it makes financial sense to expand markets um so it all it all just comes down to dollar bills yeah, well, in, I mean, in, yeah, in exactly. Sense. Many things do, and I get it. I'm, I'm not the type of person who doesn't see that. And that's uh, a solve for for like uh, commercial for having it be commercially available, like uh, in in retail, like outside outside of the state. You you uh, you you expand into like other markets by by listing in in various states. However, we that on a smaller scale, uh, we are building out our web store. Uh, should we <laughs> as as we go forward, it like. Uh, Hopefully within like a month, we should have our web store up and live. And that way you can order directly from us uh, to, depending on the, depending on the partner that, that we go with, uh, the spirits will be available for delivery in like 40 states, 40-ish states. Right. Yeah. So for the ones that suck. <laughs> it, it is weird. <laughs> the ones that are like yeah. uh, ABC or state controlled, those are the ones you can't get into, right? Right. Which, you know, is it, I think it's such a racket. Yeah. So we're setting up our direct to consumer. Uh, we're setting up our web store now, and we ought to be up up and live. With, well, that's with incredible. That's new news yeah. to me. You haven't told me this, and I talk to you about this. I feel like every day that I see you when you show up. Yep. Well, um, <laughs> you know, today today was the day we heard back. So oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Breaking news here on the Speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's great, great news, and I'm so happy to hear it um, because I definitely want to not go through the episode without bringing this up. You're young. You're small. You're nimble, but you're already getting some accolades. Yes, yeah, yeah. We entered the we entered the Genepi and the Amaro into the New Orleans Spirits competition. It's our first comp. You know, we just opened. Uh, we and it's s- a big deal. New Orleans Spirits is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's uh, they they present in conjunction with Tales of the Cocktail, the uh, the big convention down in New Orleans. I'm sure everybody is is familiar with uh, Tales of the Cocktail, but it is a big deal. And uh, they announced the winners. During uh, during tales at yeah the opening the, ceremony on the first day, mm-hmm. and the Genepi won double gold uh, for best herbal liqueur, uh, and the Amaro fetched silver. So it was a was a banner day for us. It was really cool. And 
as I recall, you didn't even enter the gym. Do you feel that was a mistake now looking back? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. immediately, yes. Um, I mean, at the time, you know, you're just like, oh, we have limited stock and, you know, it costs, you know, outside of like losing the product to send it out, which isn't that much, but we're also, we're like, we're poor. We just, we decided to just do the two things that we thought were going to be the coolest. Right. But, well, so just to clear it up for the listener, when you enter these things, it's not like, uh, you know, they don't just go out and buy your bottle and then taste it blind and, and whatever. You have to send them product mm-hmm. and you have to pay to be in the game at all. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's no, I'm not uh, saying that's a, a bad thing. They have to pay all those judges. They have to set up the room. They have to do the whole thing. I get it. Um, but I think that sometimes people think, well, I can't believe my, you know, how, how come, you know, what we talk about it a lot during award season. How come my bar didn't get recognition? Well, did you nominate yourself? If you're not in the game, you're not going to get recognition. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you got to nominate yourself. And in this case, nominate yourself means pay the fee, get them the product. And so they can taste it. So I can understand that being young. And as you just said, and I want to keep coming back to that running out of product. So, you know, like this is like a, a book, right? How many, what edition are we on after only five months uh, since May? Yeah. The, our first run, the, the way I've, we, the way we have sort of have been looking at this first run was sort of a proof of concept for everything. So we did a, a very limited run of uh, 300 bottles of everything was actually 600 bottles of Amaro, but, but we, we barrel it up, you know, uh, barrel up the Genepi as well. It's a, a rather a long turnaround. The Amaro and the Genepi both stay in barrel, Genepi in Sauterne barrels and Amaro in rye whiskey barrels for at least a season, so three months. Um, and so we released those and happily we sold out. I mean, so we, we were essentially like down to, down to no gin and uh, we're down to, we're going to make, we're going to make it with the, with the Genepi until we release in, in, um, what is it? First week of November, but it's going to be a close run thing. For and, sure. and only because we stopped selling it to people. Yeah, we, we allocated. You, you've allocated, right? Yeah, you're, have, you're in your first four months, and you're already an allocated product. That's yeah, a, absolutely. You can have a bottle. Yeah, that's a little star <laughs> in your in your column. Yeah, um, and that's got to feel good, right? It's it's vindicating. It is. I mean, nice. not that you, you're seeking vindication, but like mm. it it proves as you the just concept, said, proof yeah. of concept. It proves that your product is good. It proves that you are good at making it. It proves that you are good at no- negotiating and navigating the waters it takes to get it out to the public and to get it to bars like mine and on menus, like I have it on the menu at, Amor- uh, at uh, Avant Garden and mm-hmm. at Amori Margot, right? Um, so, like, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's great. I'm just excited for you guys to be at the beginning of this journey, which can potentially, and, and I guess the hope is, literally outlast you, right? Yeah. I don't have any... Um, misguided dreams that Amori Margo will be here after I'm dead. <laughs> right. It might be. It might. it might be. But a distillery can be around for, I mean, we have plenty of examples that have been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Like you've built, you're building, you're working on building something that is legacy for your name, of course, but for your family, like generational, this is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You maybe, asked, do you guys even sort of see that perspective right now? I know you're right in it. So maybe that's like beyond your scope of vision, but like, that's what I see when I look at you. Yes, definitely. You asked about like getting to market, like, like how, how did we do it? Um, there are lots of different impetuses for starting a brand. And one of them is to open a brand to exit the brand, you know, uh, to where we, that definitely is not right. The, yep. I, I understand that, that, uh, you know, there are plenty of folks who, who start a thing, whatever it is, candy bars, doesn't matter. And they get it out there, they get it big, they sell it, they retire. Right. Yeah. That, that is not the way we've been looking at this for sure. So, um, sorry, John, you were about to say something. Yeah. I think it would be super awesome that when I'm done that I can leave my children a Rick house full of weird genopy and be like, this is your problem now. 
<laughs> this is your i love that you know uh i grew up on the water and i love being on boats and you know there's that old saying it may it may hold true for you as well in this regard you know the the two best days in a boat owner's life are the day that he buys his boat and the day that he sells it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. yeah this is your yeah. problem now mm-hmm. yeah um, we'll sell it to the kids yeah uh i mean i'm again very excited about your products i enjoy uh two of them <laughs> I have smelled and very lightly tasted the Amaro. Uh, I, you know, as you know, knowing me and being my friend and, and hanging out with me, I my one and only kryptonite is coffee, and the Amaro has got a coffee note in there, and I just can't get past it. Um, but again, it took a, a, a medal at at, at uh, New Orleans Spirits again, not a small feat. Do you think that you will enter the gin next year? And also, do you think that you'll spread it out a little and enter some other? comps as well because i would imagine that if uh, if you're going to plan to take on investment having those accolades in your back pocket would be quite a shiny bauble to hang out in front of them sure i think it will certainly help keep our like investment dollar strong right that we're selling something that that we can prove sells and that we can prove that people like so yeah i think we'll probably enter san fran and maybe maybe a couple others and we entered this one just with this, I would say, unfounded cockiness, except we did win. We just like, oh, clearly we're going to win for this. It's so good. Yeah. And then like, you know, a month in, you start thinking about the reality of just like, it's like buying a lottery ticket and being like, this is clearly, this is this, this, clearly this piece I, of paper. Clearly I picked to the random million. six numbers yeah. that are going to be chosen. Right? Honestly, yeah. the, when when we entered the Genepi, uh, full disclosure, everybody. Souther was a Souther was a, a judge. I was going to I was going to do in, that too. The, I was a judge yeah, at New Orleans Spirits in the first well for the first round. And when you came back from the first round of judging, you said, "Man, that was a that is a craft. That like it's all craft there. You know, it's right? Because I also hardly do really I also names. do LA yeah. Spirits competition, and it's yeah. it's more kind of all over the place. Like yeah. you know, like uh, we had entries in LA Spirits from known established brands as well as craft stuff. But New Orleans is overwhelmingly craft, small brands, etc." And, but one of the things that you said was, man, I tasted a lot of really good Genepi. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like part of the reason I was excited about entering the Genepi is because almost nobody makes it in the U.S. And you, you were like, you were like, yeah, 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 that's probably true. But uh, it was an international competition. But I said, that's uh, that's right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. It's global. You can enter from anywhere. I mean, you were going with the, uh, we were talking about him earlier, but you were going with the sort of Philip Duff idea of like, if you want to be great in a category, choose a category no one's in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how he does his Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He cornered the market the day he opened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Number one's, uh, number one selling means like, you know, 300 yeah. cases. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Um, well, listen, guys, it has been a real pleasure having you on and finally talking about. January Spirits. And I'm so excited about the growth of the company to come. And we'll keep an eye on you and we'll have you back on as things progress. Um, but, you know, real quickly, uh, as we're wrapping up here, what what are kind of your future steps? Do you see another mark? Or are you going to focus on these three marks? Like, uh, do you intend to maybe take on investors? Or are you going to try and continue to sell fun? What, what's the future of January Spirits, short-term future? We have another mark when we, before we opened, we had been working on a fourth product. And it was 80% of the way there, which is, was, you know, we're still working on that. And um, we thought it, we would be better off putting our money in three and then having a, a backup to launch, which will be uh, launched next year. So we do have another mark and um, I think focus on the three. And yeah. Then it's, yeah, take on investors. I mean, at some point, 
again, it's like you're trying to get to like your dollar worth more. So, you know, you take, you take a dollar now and it's, it's only worth a dime, but you know, we'd like to, to get that number up a little bit. Yeah. The work, work on these three marks, we're going to do special releases of the Gen P and Amaro. Um, and, uh, and as we grow, we like the next step up is to, uh, to get relicensed as rectifiers so we can take over some of the production, um, of specifically the Amaro, because it's not a, it's not a redistilled product or it's not a distilled product. We could, we, we could, uh, get, get licensed I mean, for that. It, it's, it's distilled. It's just, it's just a maceration that you do, right? Yeah, that's right. You're not exactly. distilling the, we're, we're not, we're not distilling. Yeah. We, right. we would, we would get you just, uh, spirit and then, to do that. Exactly. Uh, so that's the next step uh, that will take, that will take some investment, whether or not it's, whether or not it's like, like a crowdsource thing or, uh, you know, private investment or, or, or what have you, we have to figure that out. But, but yeah, definitely investment in the future and growth uh, uh, within, within the next 12 months. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's like super speedy, to be honest. I know every, everything sounds like that though, right? Yeah. This, as we started the episode here, you talked about 2006. When we met. Yeah. 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 So and, like this, this, this overnight success happened <laughs> over the course of, you know, many years, um, which is kind of always, I always say everything happens the same way. It starts out slow and then it gets really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so very exciting news that the website is going to go up soon. Do you want to share that website while we're on? Yeah, the, web, the website is live, okay. uh, but the web store, we're, we're, web we'll store. be adding on to the web store. The website is JanuarySpirits.com. Easy enough. Uh, very easy to remember. Um, our Instagram is also January Spirits. Um, yeah, the, there are recipes, uh, because specifically because the Amaro and Genepi are maybe not like universally known, we have recipes up. A lot of, a lot of guys have recipes on their websites. Um, uh, because John and I are bartenders, we, um, uh, we had a lot of fun developing, developing like our own like spins on things. Um, so if you want to use that for a reference, pretty cool. If not, there's more information about each one of the marks and, um, I don't know, a little bit of info about us, et cetera. And very shortly, you'll be able to buy directly from us as well. That's the, I think the going to be the game changer for you guys, the being able to sell direct. That's pretty cool. I, I wasn't aware of that. I'm super happy to hear that news today. Yeah. Um, well, man, it, it's been great having you both on. Um, uh, to the listener, I would say please go and follow January Spirits uh, on their Instagram. Go check out their website, and, and I'm sure on the Instagram you'll you'll blast out when when the web shop is open. 100, yeah, 100, baby. Want to get that information to the people? Um, and uh, you know, once that goes live, I encourage everyone to to give these things a try. They are delicious. They're beautifully packaged, um, and I think uh, I, I mean. Not just because you're my pal, pals, both of you. Uh, I, I'm so excited for your success, and I, I'm just eager to watch it happen. So, thanks. Really appreciate you guys being on. We appreciate being on. Nice. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this episode of the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Please uh, check out the website heritageradionetwork.org for many more episodes, uh, many more shows just like this. Uh, click on the donate button to keep shows like ours on the air. Uh, and again. Cheers, everybody. Thanks. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.